Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. We're recording this uh, live Tuesday night, February 7th. Uh, the Magic just lost to the Knicks. And, uh, you know, Penny and I got back from Philadelphia live. Uh, no remnants of a Chinese air balloon falling on top of us. So we're, we're good to go on that. Um, but uh, quickly to get it out of the way, Paolo Bencaro was named Kia NBA Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month for January 2023. Uh, he becomes the third player in Magic history to be named the league's Rookie of the Month in consecutive months joining uh, Shaquille O'Neal and uh, his agent, Mike Miller. Um, Penny, basically, Paolo would have to like lose a limb for him to not w- win Rookie of the Year, correct? I, I agree with that. Okay. So it's, I'm coming out abrupt out of the gate, cause, or uh, you know, kind of blunt and, yeah, abrupt out of the gate just because this uh, this Nick, Nick game was, uh, was something. But um, – so obviously, if you've been listening to the other pods, you know, we were in Philadelphia last week. We did two Philly pods. So uh, the game after that, the Magic were in Minnesota, where it was like negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, the Magic spent extra time in the arena preparing for that game, and it actually paid off. Uh, it was also Jalen Suggs was kind of a welcome back home type thing. He got his high school basketball and football jerseys retired. Wendell set out this Timberwolves game. Um I mean, the Magic bench play has been fairly good of late. I mean, in this Wolves game, it was like Suggs, Moore, it's Cole. We're, we're pretty big off the bench. Um, all right, we got to talk about the fight because everybody else talking about the fight. And, I mean, the Magic, this is like their second fight situation of the season. I'd say, quick question, Penny. Uh, over under uh, a half on fights uh, the rest of the season for the Magic. Did the Magic get in at least one more fight? I'm going over. Uh, garnering a suspension, I'm still going to go over. I think there's yeah. one more. Yeah, garnering a suspension, I'm going over. Yeah. Okay. Um, I actually, I, I, I think I'm, I'm thinking two actually. So I don't know how. The, I don't know if Moritz is going to be involved or, or, or who, but I, I'm thinking almost kind of happened tonight with the uh, Julius Randall push. Yeah, there was. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that in a bit. So for this Wolves game. So Austin Rivers missed a shot in front of the Magic bench late in the third quarter. Bamba, who was sitting on the bench, uh, and Rivers kind of say stuff to each other. Rivers then kind of, well, not kind of, he walks up to the Magic bench or runs up to the Magic bench. They don't really show that part of the clip, but he is on the out-of-bounds portion of the court and literally, which is part of the Magic bench. He's, he's, he's there. He steps up to Mo. Bombo and Rivers start kind of throwing haymakers at each other. Now, neither really connects that well because they can't fight. And uh, Bombo just kind of kept going at him, though. And then that's when it came became kind of like a mosh pit, kind of everybody's pushing each other around. Like, even Jonathan Isaac's getting involved, trying to supposedly break the fight up. But, like, he's he's moving pretty well, is Isaac. So I, I was actually very impressed that his body held up during that. So that, that, that was a good sign for him. But, um. I don't know. Did Austin Rivers say something about the Magic or Mo Bamba recently on his podcast that I wasn't aware of? I don't know. Like, um, because Bamba just definitely said something based off Mark, you know, based off Markel Fultz's kind of shocked face and reaction. And then Mo also like stuck his tongue out at Rivers. Um, 
Kevon Harris tweeted out, or I can't remember if he put on Instagram after the game what was basically said, but uh, you know, he basically said that Mo said that this ain't high school no mo when he uh when Rivers missed that three. Um and I don't know if is a high school remark that triggering enough to a guy like Austin Rivers, who was, you know, he was basically the number one prospect in the country out of Winter Park High School. And um yeah, um, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that, uh, but just quickly into that. So the mosh pit's happening. Suggs, I thought, did the right thing to actually split the two up. I was hoping the refs didn't throw him out of the game, but they did. And then Suggs would also end up getting a game suspension after that. Um, Bomba and Rivers obviously get thrown out of the game. Um, and then, you know, the Wolves also lost Torian Prince and uh, Jaden McDaniels. So technically the Magic won that exchange as far as they lost one body less. And uh, I didn't think Suggs deserved to get thrown out. I thought he was breaking up the fight. Now Rivers after the game kind of sold it where Suggs, he said that Suggs was choking his throat. And (laughs) I thought Jalen was closer to his shoulders than his neck. And really, I I thought Isaac was doing worse stuff than Suggs, to be frank. Uh, I don't know. What's your thoughts on Suggs trying to break things up or, or any of the other stuff I just mentioned? Uh, I mean, the the move was correct, but as a trying to watch it as an impartial party, I do feel like whether it's whether it's neck or shoulder, if you're flying in there uh, and you're coming up that high around someone and wrangling them, you know, down basically down to the ground, like uh, the, you're going to get thrown out and you're going to get a suspension. So I, I, I thought it was fair uh, and and you know the intent is to de-escalate but the uh the actual outcome kind of could further escalate the situation yeah i mean that's fair enough like there's there's a i'm I'm biased on this one but i i genuinely thought he was breaking it up and i think bomba made it worse i think bomba stops it stops right there when suggs kind of pushes rivers off of him but Bomba did not stop. Um, you know, the Magic were up 83-73 at this point. This was an 11-minute delay. Thankfully, it seemed like the Magic uh mo- the Magic's momentum wasn't really suffering from it. You know, they led 90 to 75 after in the fourth quarter. Um then the social media post started happening as the game's still going on. Bomba just didn't take long to post the fuck around and find out meme photo on his uh on his IG story. And, um, you know, we win the game. Thankfully after the game, you know, NBA Twitter was still trying to figure out what Bomba said to that triggered rivers. Maybe it was that, that this ain't high school, no more quote that Kevon shared. Maybe it was something worse. I mean, Mo's also sticking his tongue out to him. That's kind of childish and kind of stupid. He can come up with something better than that. But, um, and then, Rivers posted on his Instagram that some folks took offense to him calling Orlando his city. Look, there's like about a decade run where you and I are in middle school through college, basically. There's like a decade run where it starts out with Amari Stoudemire, then it's Chandler Parsons and Nick Calathis, and then it basically ends with Austin Rivers as far as like big-name high school basketball players in Central Florida goes. You can speak more to that than me. Um, but Austin is kind of at the bottom of that totem pole, even though he was viewed as the number one prospect coming out of high school, um, locally, like he didn't have as much kind of, I guess, respect or 
cachet as some of those other guys I mentioned. Uh, but that's my personal viewpoint. And hell, I'd say like many people locally think more of his older sister, Callie, than Austin when it comes to Doc's kids. And there's just high school imprint on the area. I don't know what's your uh, you're you're more of a local uh, basketball uh, genius than I am, Penny. I don't know what's your viewpoint on that. Uh, well, he had a benefit of older brother coming through the Doc Rivers cachet from being the magic coach, and also Winter Park High School generally is regarded as uh, one of the institutional high schools in the area. They have the winter park rotary tournament every year so there's a lot of eyes on that school now and and ask jeff turner who he thinks is one of the best high school players of all time and he'll put austin rivers up there so no question that he uh you could make a case that he's uh top five maybe all time uh i would also argue that joel berry uh at lake highland oh yeah uh, good call who came after him uh, had quite the high school resume and then also was able to seal the deal in college with a national championship, although it didn't make it to the NBA. Uh, Central Florida's had a lot of high school talent. Uh, a couple guys came through from Boone, including BJ Taylor, UCF star. Uh, didn't quite live up to the Joel Berry, Austin Rivers hype, but there's a lot of talent in the area. There has been uh, I think Winter Park gets bumped up a little in the eyes of kind of the older people that really follow high school sports as their main source of sporting enjoyment. Um, also, I think it's extremely fair to say that uh, the Austin River star shown brightest in high school and has been kind of petering out, flaming out since then. Jeff coached Carroll, right? Uh, he he coached, uh, yeah, Bear, uh, Joel Berry uh, for, I want to say, his entire high school career. And then did that mean he faced Austin Rivers? I, I can't I, I can't recall like the timetable because I'm so used to Jeff being like play by play guy radio for the magic. And then there's that gap between where it's like Maddie Gukas on TV and then. Jeff comes in and takes over the TV stuff. So I, I I can't recall if he was coaching during the Austin Rivers run. He had he had to have been right. Yeah, he definitely coached against Austin Rivers, um, and then Joel Berry did not overlap. But he yeah he was definitely there coaching against Austin Rivers, and uh, I'm pretty sure if memory serves, might have gotten. I don't know if they're in the same class or not, but. Obviously, Winter Park won a couple of state titles with Austin Rivers there. So uh, Jeff speaks very highly of him having coached against him. Uh, Jeff also has some interesting coaching opinions from his time <laughs> in the high school ranks. Fair enough. So that Wolves game happened Friday night. Again, we're recording this Tuesday night, February 7th. Uh, so Saturday night, the league announced punishments. Bamba got an additional four games with no pay. Suggs got a game with no pay, so he missed that Hornets game. Thankfully, we didn't need him. Austin Rivers got three games with no pay. Uh, McDaniels got a $20,000 fine. Torian Prince didn't get anything additional, which is interesting because I think he was doing, I think, I don't know, he he did a good amount in there. Um, Bama getting more than Rivers I thought was a little off. Again, there's homerism from my point. Um 
So is Suggs getting an extra game, but not Torian Prince because I thought Prince was doing more harm than Suggs did. Now Suggs obviously had kind of the spotlight moment where he's trying to break it up and, you know, you got to use physicality to break up two guys that tall, you know, you got Bamba, the seven foot, you know, seven footer. And then you got rivers who is taller than Suggs um, or I guess pretty close actually, but um and then you you and I were in Philly when the when the Dylan Brooks uh Memphis Cavs <laughs> thing happened where Brooks only got one game for intentionally hitting Donovan Mitchell in the dick and then Joe Dumars I just don't think has been consistent with some of this stuff maybe there's some magic hatred I don't know but um I guess the unknown was how bad was the Mo Bamba tunnel stuff because that's the whole point of Mo Bamba getting an extra game because like after. Bamba immediately, like Bamba and Rivers, basically both immediately left the court even before the refs knew they were, you know, decided they were getting thrown out because they both knew they were getting thrown out. So I don't know what Bamba did. Like supposedly, like he pushed a, you know, a security guard out of the way. And there's just there, there's there's no video footage of anything. There's just kind of hearsay and I guess eyewitness accounts that the league got. But um, yeah, I mean. Because in my opinion, Rivers still technically starts it. Like, yeah, Bamba's talking or whatever, but like Rivers physically walks up to the magic bench in front of Mo Bamba and the fight breaks out. Like none of that happens if Rivers does not step up into Bamba and the bench. Um, So I don't know. I don't know what your viewpoint is. I'm sure you'll say it's fair, but it, it was a little weird to me. Yeah, I mean, with regard to the consistency of the punishments, I... I think the intentional nut shot should warrant more, more compared to some of the other things that we've seen. Uh, I, I don't know. We, we can't speak to the corridor and the hallway action. Uh, they also referenced in the, uh, you know, in the final judgment, essentially, mm-hmm. that social media accounted for uh maybe another game or something that seems kind of stupid to me <laughs> yeah uh, i i would say that three was probably fair if you want to give subs one i can get on board with that the rest of the punishment and fines and stuff i i don't care four seems a little excessive especially considering uh you know austin rivers essentially started it physically Mm-hmm. Uh, by going over there to confront. So uh, I don't know. Are you proud that the Magic coaching staff kept everybody on the bench? I, what, well, any any time <laughs> one to me is inexcusable. So proud's probably not the word, uh, <laughs> but but happy that the job was done this time. Fair enough. Um, all right. So I guess Saturday night going into Sunday morning, I. I think RJ Hampton is trying to say goodbye. He's posting a lot of photos on his Instagram stories with him and his teammates. Like he's still being assigned to Lakeland and going back and forth between Lakeland and Orlando. Um, I guess time will tell whether he gets traded or, or waived here in the next 48 hours. But um, Sunday afternoon in Charlotte, you know, it was a 1 PM tip. That's, you know, t- to finish off a four game road trip with a 1 PM tip is, is always going to be a little weird. The Magic didn't have Bomber Suggs because of their suspensions. You had Paolo, Wendell, and Cole Anthony. They'd gone to the UNC-Duke game Saturday night. Um, Duke won that game. Uh, Paolo's parents were at the Hornets game. I'm assuming they were also at the Duke game, obviously. Um, 
This was the last stop of this four-game road trip. Uh, Wendell was uh, back in the lineup this time as we had our normal starting five again. Um, the Magic were not defending early and often, thankfully. And, you know, Jonathan Isaac, he's he's bringing it, man, with these 9, 10, 11. I think tonight against the Knicks, he had 12-minute stretches where he's just bringing that hustle. And he had these, like, offensive second-chance points when we needed energy off the bench. and. Look, I don't know why the Magic thought Steve Clifford's Hornets were going to roll over it at home. Like they've gotten some bodies back, and I know they're still not a great team, but like they're they're not going to roll over and die for us. We were down thirty-seven twenty-eight after one period, like coughing up a thirty-seven point quarter, just inexcusable, and you couldn't do that the rest of the game. Caleb Houston played his first game uh, in eleven Magic games. You know he'd been spending a lot of time with Lakeland. Um, it's funny to see Steve Clifford pick up technical fouls for Charlotte while <laughs> Mosley still won't do it. Uh, but you know, the magic used like a 10 0 run to take the lead all credit to the magic bench and, uh, Franz Wagner. Um, uh, I thought ball ball badly messed up our momentum though, by just kind of forcing things on the offensive end. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he had a pretty good Timberwolves game. And then again, with this next game tonight, like ball was just kind of okay. Like he's, Bull's still trying to figure it out. Like, you really got to treat him like a rookie still. Like, he's he's just trying to figure it out. Um, I would say Mosley maybe shouldn't play him as much, but, you know, he's Bull's trying to figure it out. Um, Wendell was looking healthy, and his performance showed. You know, Gary Harris, three, gave the Magic a 52-51 lead, uh, as well as the team's second separate 10-0 run in the same second quarter. I, I don't, I can't recall a time where the Magic or – I can't recall teams in general having two separate 10-0 runs um, in the same period or in the same quarter. That was interesting. Magic lived by four at halftime. Just needed to continue just mashing the paint because Charlotte just was not showing too much resistance down there. Like, we go up a dozen in the third quarter with Wendell and Paolo being aggressive. Terry Rogier was carrying Charlotte that whole half you know first half and then Lamelo ball kind of picked up the slack in the third quarter the magic hit a 9-0 run as Fultz was doing his thing um you know the magic were staying up above double digits through much of the third quarter but then the, the hornets took the lead less than a minute into the fourth period as the magic just could not put the hornets away like the hornets were it was part of like a hornets 18 to 6 run then franz hit a big 3 and then not long after that, Houston hit another three for himself in that game, giving the Magic a 101-97 lead. The Magic led 110-103 to go with 317 to go. Fultz hit like this big kind of early dagger. And then Franz hit the dagger with a Euro step finish. Um, and I mean the Magic finishes road trip three and one. Like it's 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 a hell of a job well done. Like you start out with two games in Philly. You're in a frigid Minnesota, and then you get a weird, awkward early after you know Sunday afternoon tip in Charlotte. Um, and yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on the Magic being three and on the road trip? Because honestly, probably going in on paper, like you know, the, the Sixers were rolling, so you think, okay, you know, I you, you the Magic winning one of those games was unlikely, and then you had Minnesota kind of was figuring stuff out like they're they're looking like they're going to be a playoff team not even a play-in team you know with the wolves but you beat them and then charlotte that was probably the one of those four games that you were really hoping to win but you know charlotte's feisty clifford was gonna 
obviously tries best to beat us, but to go three and one on that road trip, what, uh, what, what was your viewpoint, Manny? Yeah. I mean, again, the, the team is really trending, uh, in an, in an upward trajectory that maybe we didn't see coming necessarily. Uh, although maybe we did, because really it all coincides with Markel Fultz's return to the lineup uh, and now getting bolstered by, you know, Isaac and everybody else kind of settling into a role. But um, definitely a, a tough stretch on paper and really a tougher stretch even um, now in real real time and real life, just based on, look, Philly's rolling uh, they had everybody healthy, which they hadn't had for a while. Uh, Anthony Edward, uh, uh, Edwards is uh, playing like an all-star in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And then even Charlotte's a weird game because you have the 1 p.m. tip. So uh, certainly probably about the best you could expect um, in terms of road trip record. Um, and then even still carrying it forward the first game back, tonight after the road trip and they came out ready to play obviously didn't didn't get the win but uh a lot of positive signs uh uh, a lot of positive signs right now yeah i mean look after that charlotte when the magic had a 22 and 32 record they were three games out of the play-in i mean the magic last season were 22 and 60 so to be 22 and 32 and you got you know what 28 games left or you know and to be showing that improvement that's that's a big deal and you're in the playing hunt despite what happened tonight against the Knicks so all right again Tuesday night you know Magic host the Knicks first of a three-game homestand before the game and yeah it's it's just an exhibition I get that but Paolo and Franz being taken number one and number two in that rising stars uh draft in that player pool it's uh it's anything. It's it's something. You know, I don't know if it's anything, but it's something. And look, the league is opening its eyes to this magic young core. And yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty cool that the magic again have arguably the two best players from the last two drafts on their team. Like that's that's big time. So okay, focusing on the game. So with Bomba suspended still and Wendell trying to stay healthy, like the Knicks being without Mitchell Robinson helped, um, you know, they, they got some really great play out of Jericho Sims. And then, you know, they got Obi Toppin as well, but um, you know, Hardenstein hit foul trouble often. So, I mean, Jericho Sims would end up being big late, but um, RJ Barrett was originally doubtful, but played that ended up playing a factor as well. Wendell got off to a great start in the first period. Like Penny, you mentioned, like it seemed like we were we were on it. Like we, you know, we got off to a lead, and um, you know, Wendell was carrying us in the first quarter. Then it looked like Franz, you know, he took his turn early in the second period. Julius Randle kept the Knicks within single digits, and I mean, Randle, and then obviously Brunson would would be the main guys that kept the the Knicks in it. Magic were up 48-40 at halftime after Markel had a few shots in that final minute. I mean, Markel led us in scoring with 21 points. He he had some crazy highlights in the second half. Um, you know, at halftime, the Magic had only coughed up two turnovers. Like, they were protecting the ball. They'd forced eight Nick turnovers, and that's why you had that eight-point lead at halftime, even though, again, your offense wasn't, like, firing at ridiculous levels. Like, there was a pretty okay balance at that point. Um, it was weird seeing Evan Fournier buried on that bench. Um, like I know he's not in Tibbs' rotation, but 
I thought maybe he'd throw Fournier in just just for something different. Um, but he didn't. He I don't uh, Fournier didn't get a second tonight. And um on a night where the offense wasn't sharp, like the Magic were heavily relying on its defense to keep New York at bay. And it almost paid off until we gave up like a 36 point fourth quarter to the Knicks. Like it it was working and then it just it didn't hold up. Like um you know, Paolo in that third period was starting to get it going. Fulton the third had this just ridiculous put back hammer slam over Julius Randle. It put the magic up 56-52 midway through the third. Just I don't know, Penny. I don't know what your reaction was, but I mean, I I it was insane. Like it was just this ridiculously like forceful yet smooth finish on a putback. Like I, I didn't think Markel had that in him. What what did you think? The surprising thing is to me, I thought the two-handed slam in the fourth quarter was even better than that one. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that too. But um, you know, I mentioned Hardenstein was in foul trouble. He was having issues with Mort, so there's like some German on German crime going on there. Um Jonathan Isaac was suffocating Julius Randle. Like, you know, in Isaac's limited minutes, I think he played 12 tonight. Like, Isaac frustrated Randle enough that Randle was whining so much he picked up a technical foul. Um, this was the third largest Magic crowd in Amway Center history. There were plenty of Knicks fans in attendance as usual. Um, and, yeah, I guess it played a factor late in the comeback. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe you can comment on that, but... Um, yeah, the Magic led 69-66 enter in the fourth as uh, Manuel quickly hit some timely Nick buckets. Um, R.J. Barrett banked in a three to open the fourth, making it 69-69, and that proved to be a bad omen. Um, and then quickly hit a step-back three to give the Knicks a 72-71 lead. That Magic bench unit of Moritz, Isaac, Suggs, Bull, and Cole, they they fought like they've been fighting the, the you know of late and in past games. You know, J.I., he got that minutes restriction bumped up from like 10 to 12, basically. Um, Moritz was big. He hit some big threes and like an and one. And the Magic were up 80 to 75. But I don't know, Penny, what's your viewpoint on Mosley riding the bench too much? Because I thought he rode the bench too much, especially when it came to to, to sticking with Bull. Yeah, I mean, this seems to be a, a consistent theme with him, especially in the second half where, uh, and it's different now, you, you might know better than me how many years it's been. It used to be the first time out in the fourth quarter, or they were at the nine minute under nine and under mm -hmm. five, we've changed it now. So it's all the same. But that used to be kind of the trigger point for coaches was after the first media timeout in the fourth, you reload with your starters. Um, now I feel like the the seven and a half, seven minute mark is appropriate. And it seems often that uh, Mose tries to take it down to like six minutes or even uh, further. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and that's two, three, four possessions where you're talking about uh, trying to get, trying to squeeze more out of your bench, but also trying to get your starters back in and then like re ramped up to game speed in crunch time or approaching crunch time. Uh, when maybe the other starting five has already been on the court for a minute or two and have their legs back under them. So uh, it's interesting. It seems to be a theme. I'm not a super huge fan of it. I don't think there's any reason for it other than that's what he's intending to do versus, uh, you know, it's not really like minute restriction. No. Um, and it's not really like fitting rotational pieces together. So uh, not a huge fan. 
The Magic went from up 80 to 75 to Jericho Sims gets a slam to make it 82-82. And then Sims gets a putback dunk as well that put the Knicks ahead 85-84 with 4.45 to go. Then there's just a seesaw battle going on. Like, Fultz is answering. Um, I was getting playing slash playoff matchup vibes from this game um, just with the crowd and the intensity and stuff. Randall hit another tough three over Paolo um, on the evening to put the Knicks up 90-88. Fultz answered with an and one finish over Brunson with 240 to go. Fultz converted, so we were up 91-90. Again, just intense seesaw battle. Um, Brunson hits a jumper. Like, Brunson's just awesome. That guy, I don't know how, you know, Brunson's going to probably end up getting an all-star spot um, depending on, you know, you know, Kyrie Irving got traded to the West and, Kevin Durant doesn't look like he's going to be playing. Like I've seen like Darius Garland from Cleveland getting a shout. I don't think the magic players are going to get in considered yet. There's, there's like still like one or two guys above them. Um, I think Brunson should have been New York's all-star to begin with anyway, but anyway, Fultz then hit this just crazy spinning 360 two hand slam that you were talking about Penny that, I mean, I still think the putback dunk was more impressive, but this was kind of insane. Cause I mean, this was just in like the normal, like, flow of play and then Brunson again answered Fultz and then you got Sims with a baseline dunk after Paolo missed a reverse layup that would end up being crucial like Paolo knows he should have made that reverse layup and then to see Sims answer on the other one with a dunk like that's rough um during this stretch like Wendell is like adjusting his contact lens and like the huddle or like playing around with like his eyewear during play like he seemed almost kind of distressed in a way, like he was, or at least distracted. Like it was, it didn't help things. Um, You know, the magic, they had the ball. We were down 96, 93 with 39.8 seconds left. I don't know. What's your thought on Franz's shot? Like I thought he forced up a three, just a few seconds into the clock. I, and I didn't think you need to do that. Like there's some people saying like, Oh, it was a good play to kind of get them open and stuff. But I don't know. He didn't get that clean of a look. Yeah, the the play was good. The result was not great. He definitely forced it. Would have been nice to see him go ahead and just draw, you know, kind of it was a, a rear view contest kind of deal. He could have just drove it like he did the second opportunity, um, go for the quick two and, and keep kind of pushing it out and lengthening the game. But again, there hasn't been a lot of close uh like high intensity high leverage situations for these guys to go through um so another learning experience type situation where even though that's the play design that's the number one option on the play um but it didn't result in the cleanest look and it wasn't a in a, a situation where it needed to go up uh there so Hopefully something that, again, he puts in the in the memory bank because I imagine we'll have a lot of these situations uh, over the next few years. So the Magic defense comes up big again. They get a stop. Uh, so we had another chance with 16 seconds left. Franz gets an easy dunk with 10.1 seconds left. Now, it kind of was like a broken play that ended up being an open dunk in the end. But, you know, you kind of think, you know, going to what you mentioned and kind of what I was thinking, like you didn't need a three when you had 39 seconds left. Like you could have easily just gone for a two. Um, this one proved to be a fairly easy two based off a of broken play. Um, but um, at that point, like you're down one, 10.1 seconds left. I'm hoping that Tibbs had called timeout. 
Um, you're hoping that anyone but Brunson or even like Emmanuel quickly touches this ball so that you could foul them. Brunson inbounds the ball, but he gets it back quickly because Franz tried to kind of flail on on Randall. Um, no dice. I don't know. Do you think Randall uh, fouled Franz with the like? Was there enough shove action, or do you think Franz was trying to sell it? He definitely was trying to sell it. Uh, as a Magic fan, I thought that his arm got away from him. Uh, but I can see the officials not blowing the whistle in that situation. Do you think we got job there? I don't. I think it's funny. Like if he just plays normal defense, like you could have just fouled Randall and made him make the free throws. Um, I think he would have split the pair at that point. But, you know, he tried to go for the big play where we, you know, he was trying to force an offensive foul. and. It just didn't work. Um, I mean, is Randall's hand kind of going up towards his face? Yeah, but like Franz does too much on that, and I, I, I just I can't fault the refs on that. Um, I mean, maybe we'll see in the last two minute two minute report. It'll be funny if the if the league's like, yeah, the ref screwed up on this. So, well, um, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see in the last two minute report and probably nothing but the little dump off pass from Brunson where it looked like he shuffled his feet. Uh, after the possession, after he hit the tough little wrong-footed floater layup situation. But mm -hmm. as a left-handed basketball player who basically only goes left, um, it's always interesting to me. You're watching the Knicks, obviously, with Brunson and Randall. They have uh, a lot of lefties. A lot of lefties. How, uh, and Barrett, right? So how... Well, and Hardenstein, like, too, I think. Yeah. But. You know they're going left. You're playing on the left hand. And specifically with regard to Brunson, because Randall can bully his way to get basically wherever he wants. But the amount of times, especially down the stretch where uh, Brunson was able to get back to that left hand and, and penetrate and either finish or collapse the defense, even on uh, the play at the end where, you know, he kicked to a wide open Randall who thankfully missed at the time. But uh, just it's always frustrating uh, from a like coaching mind perspective, but also just watching the game and knowing what people want to get to, like not to be able to force them to go to their right instead of letting them get back to the dominant hand every time. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Brunson's really freaking good and Dallas found out the hard way. And that's why they ended up trading for Kyrie Irving. But um, yeah, it's, he's good, man. So he ended up getting that ball. Um, on that Franz flop attempt against Randall. So Brunson free throw line, he made both magic. were down three with 7.7 .7 seconds left. No timeouts. Tibbs decided to have Brunson foul Fultz. Um, Markel did make both free throws. I'm not sure if he tried to miss the second one on purpose, but he made it. Uh, I don't know. Penny did it look like Markel was trying to miss the second. It not to me. Um, and it didn't look like either of the guys down low were going to really attempt to fight for an offensive rebound. I was nervous, I got to tell you, when he went to the line, but it's nice to see him kind of getting in a, back in a groove at the charity stripe again. I also didn't think that he should have missed it. Um, obviously, knowing that, you know, if the Knicks make both, they're going to foul again, but there was enough time at that point, I think, to go ahead and make two and, and hope that the Knicks pull up the next pair. So we're down one. We foul Brunson again with um, 
5.3 seconds left. See, this is why I think Fultz actually was supposed to miss the second one because no one's guarding Brunson once he makes that second free throw. Because you talk about like guys not going for rebounds, like no one's guarding Brunson either. That was uh that was disappointing. Uh Brunson got a pretty clean touch. And then so Brunson goes to the line. He kind of toilet bowl rolled in the first free throw. Like if he was gonna miss one, that would have been the one. He swishes the second one. So we're down three again. Paolo gets fouled with 3.5 seconds left. He hits the first. Mobley subs Isaac and Bowl in. Paolo intentionally misses the second free throw, but he I think he hit the rim way too hard. I thought he should have just kind of floated, float missed it, or just, just tried to touch it up, but he didn't. So because he kind of threw it at the rim, basically, Randall just quickly grabbed it without having to even jump. And then... um you know, he got fouled with 2.3 seconds left, and it was game over because he hit two free throws. You know, we lost 102-98. Uh, what's your viewpoint on the on the Paolo free throw situation, Penny? No, Nobody has a good practiced free throw miss. I think there's two ideals. The first is either shoot it intentionally long so it kicks up off the heel of the rim. The other thing that guys try to do way more frequently is to bang the shit out of the front of the rim, which, which is what he tried what to do. He was trying to do, and he just threw it too hard. Um, but again, you see the the trajectory there is straight to the ground, which does not help you so much, uh, especially when you put the long guys in to try and battle up top. So uh, you never expect. Obviously, the reason that you foul up three is because it's very difficult to pull off both getting the offensive rebound and scoring off of it and making the first free throw anyway. So, um, so you don't expect that to happen, but it's always kind of disappointing when there's no even chance at a rebound essentially. So yeah, this is, this is a tough loss because the magic here's how, here's how the scoring went for the Knicks. Okay. You give you give up 22 points in the first quarter to the Knicks, then 18 in the second, 26 in the third, still fine, and then you give up a 36 point fourth quarter where you lose 102 to 98. Where again, yeah. we're at a time in the league where if you give up less than 115 points, you got a really good shot of winning the game. So this was kind of a throwback game, basically. So it's it's a tough loss because not only you know do you have now a 22 and 33 record. But instead of being two games out of the play-in, which we would have been had we won, we're now three games back of the play-in. And that's it. Now we have the trade deadline for the Magic coming up. Um, you know, we play the Nuggets on Thursday night. That's going to be four hours after the 3 p.m. trade deadline on Thursday. So there's no more Magic games between now and the trade deadline. Um, tomorrow, you know, like I said, the Magic are three games back of the play-in. They're behind the Pacers, Raptors, and Wizards, who are all in a three-way tie for 10th above us. All of them play on Wednesday, and it's going to be interesting to see because depending on those game results for each of those teams Wednesday night, that could cause some type of weird trade domino effect. That's that's the funny thing about that. So, um, but yeah, we're still but we're still three games back. Like it's still encouraging. Like you're in it. Like the whole point of like the whole wish and hope was your three maybe pushing it like four games out of the play and going to the all-star break and you're hovering around there. You got some tough games now though, because you got the trade deadline. But then after that, it's two home games with Denver and Miami. 
And then you have a Bulls Raptors road back to back going into the All Star break. Like ideally, you would hope you can go like two and two at worst during that stretch. Um, but they're all tough games. Like the the Magic could easily lose any of those games, but they could they could win any of those games. That's 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 the fun thing, and that's the interesting thing about having a team this young. But um, any other thoughts before we get into trade uh, machine, trade rumor, trade deadline stuff, Penny? I again, I just think to kind of echo that, like it's about the best case scenario, other than you know improbably being in the top four uh, in terms of what we were expecting this season and what like a successful year looks like. Uh, right about exactly where you want to be as we approach the All Star break. All right, trade deadline stuff. So in the back of my head, I'm thinking about a few things. If the Magic don't make the playoffs, you know, can, you know, even if they get into the play in and like wash out in the play in, like, can the Magic get lucky and end up with Scoot Henderson or Victor Wembanyama, you know, in, in the Magic, in, in the draft lottery? Cause that's why you don't want to give up one, any of, you know, your pick or the Bulls 2023 pick is that reason right there. But then also, I, and I'm, I'm going to be repeating this over the next year or year and a half, but, there's a possibility that Luka Doncic could be demanding out of Dallas within that period because he's likely going to dislike Jason Kidd and Kyrie Irving sooner rather than later is my viewpoint. Now that the Mavericks traded for, for Kyrie, like I'm sure it's going to go fine over these next months because Kyrie's trying to get, you know, a long-term contract. But once he signs that contract, I'll be curious to see how that goes. Um, also, who knows how they'll play together? Like people think they're going to play amazing together. We don't know that. Um, and then the other thing is Desmond Bain. Like, if for any odd reason that Grizzlies relationship sours, like Des Desmond Bain, like we already know, Bain likes the new athletic uh, training facility that the Magic have. But um, if if the wheels fall off the Grizzlies, uh, Bain as as a shooting guard. Uh, starting shooting guard on this team going forward would be uh would be something impressive but then um from a magic need perspective with this trade deadline like i think you would like a better backup center than moritz wagner um we always need more three-point shooting like that was evident again tonight uh in this Knicks lost and then we need a third point guard, be it a young guy or veteran. Like we need a third point guard because, like, eventually, like one of Fultz or Cole's gonna miss time. You feel like I could be amazing if they if everybody stayed healthy. Like even Chumo KK's back, uh, practicing. Like we we almost have everybody healthy, but at some point that's not gonna keep continuing. Um, but I I don't want to go beyond that because I I want to see how guys perform down the stretch here you know come you know going down the stretch of trying to get into the plan um and then if we get in the plan like I want to see how these guys do um I don't see Weldham going beyond this list of Magic players for trades like I've got four guys I got Mo Bamba I got Chuma I got R J Hampton and I got Terrence Ross those are the four I got. I wouldn't expect a crazy deal from us. If someone wants Gary Harris, like I, I need a 2023 first round pick to begin that conversation. Like the trades I'm proposing is to strengthen our rotation while not sacrificing our pick or cap flexibility. I don't know, Penny, do you kind of deviate from your viewpoint or am I missing something that we should be focusing on during this? 
No, and we'll get into kind of some valuation type deal here uh, as we discuss. But I look, I you don't want to cash in those first round picks until you know what they are. Tough to give them up and then see one land in the top two. And again, as I just said two minutes ago, everything's kind of trending exactly how you want it. So uh, the look here for me too is trades around the fringes rather than any kind of wholesale move here at the deadline. So Tuesday morning. So again, we're recording this Tuesday night, but uh, I was a little concerned because Markel Fultz was sending out cryptic tweets, tweets and IG stories. Uh, no clue what any of that meant. Like, was he being traded? Was somebody else being traded? Is it a personal situation? I guess we'll find out. Like, he had a fantastic game against the Knicks tonight. So I'm assuming it's maybe just a personal thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, that that was interesting. Uh, all right. Trade stuff now. So the Raptors. Fred Van Vliet continues to be linked to the Magic by the national media. Like, incessantly, like, nonstop, we're being connected to this guy. I would prefer OG Ananobi or Gary Trent Jr. more. I'm not willing to give up the picks Toronto wants for OG. Like I would do, uh, I'm not interested in Fred Van, Fred Van Vliet. We've already talked about it. Like he's, you know, he's an old 29 or he's going to be in like an old 29, like short point guards. They just are short guards in general, just don't age well. Like the trade I'm thinking is I would do Gary Trent Jr. And Kem Birch for Bamba Ross and RJ Hampton, and they can move any of those guys elsewhere that they want. But um, you want to throw in like a second round pick or two? Fine. Um, I also saw like Matt Moore's Action Network piece about uh, like a Van Vliet for Suggs type trade where he incorrectly put in that Suggs was the third pick in the draft, uh, in his draft. He wasn't. He was the fifth pick. I'm not trading Jalen for Fred Van Vliet. Like I, Jalen is a walking all NBA first defense type player. And if he as as he as long as he keeps staying healthy consistently, like you can see, like he's slowly starting to figure stuff out offensively a little bit now. Like he's not recklessly crashing into people at will, but he's still being like a menace on defense. And I mean, off the bench is like a defensive partner with Isaac. Like it's it's been pretty interesting to watch at this point. Um, but I'm not trading Suggs for Van Vliet. Uh any Raptors thoughts on that, Trent? Junior Birch trade for Bamba Ross Hampton thing that I mentioned or any other Raptor ideas you had? Um, no Raptor ideas for me. I, I don't hate that trade, but it's hard for me to believe that uh, I hard for me to believe that they would make that move uh, in terms of value coming in. I mean, with Trent, they're not gonna. I mean, they're not gonna resign him, so I don't think they're gonna ask much. Like, if if they're asking for a first round pick, they can take a hike. I you know, but I, it's you know, I'd give up two seconds in and in, 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 you know, including in that trade, uh, including that deal. But like Gary Trent Jr., they're not keeping around. Um, we already have one Gary. Might as well have a second Gary. Like two Garys could be awesome for us. Um, it's funny because they're both kind of similar in how they are and how they play. And even like their age, it's kind of close. But um, I, 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 I think Gary Trent Jr. would be pretty great, even just as like a rental. Because, again, the stuff we're giving up, like it's not nothing big, like long term. But 
if you run into a situation where maybe Gary Harris wants to go to like a perennial like contender, and then you could have Gary Trent Jr. then going, you know, that you would want to resign. But um, that's my viewpoint on that. What are you making Suggs available for trades, Penny, or is it too early for that? Well, yeah the the only uh, the only people that I'm open to moving at this point, and this is I guess different than even a week or two ago, uh, are. Ross, Bamba, Hampton, and any second round action. And that's basically it for me at the moment. Fair enough. Um, so with Kyrie causing damage again, getting out of Brooklyn and being shipped off to Dallas, like does Katie want out? So I've already kind of brought this up before. I think I brought it up in the off season after we didn't get Donovan Mitchell, but I'm throwing a Kevin Durant deal on the table and I would do Kevin Durant and Yuta Watanabe for Isaac Ross, Mo Bamba, Suggs, the 2023 Bulls pick, the 2025 Denver pick, and a Magic pick swap in 2024-2025. Um, for those adamant on Franz avoiding starting at shooting guard, like this is not something that you would want to do. Like even if you maybe started Paolo at center and had Wendell come off the bench, like I get it. Um, but I don't know. Am, are you not interested in Durant? Do you think that trades offers too much, too little? What's your, what's your thinking on this? Or would Durant From just be side, like, why? Or, or would be like, Durant would be like, why? I don't want to be here. I, I don't want to do well, this. Yeah, that that number one, like, I, I don't know necessarily <sighs> three games out of the play and he's not going to play for a while. I don't know if that's enough to get you even into the tournament uh, once he comes back and gets acclimated. So I don't know that he would uh, sign off on that from a magic value out perspective. That seems about right. Uh, in terms of what Brooklyn is looking to do, I don't know if that would be again like value in. I, I don't know if that would be. It depends uh, on how they view Isaac and Suggs, basically. But. Right. Exactly. So I, uh, an A for creativity on it. All right. Yeah. Again, I this this isn't going to happen. Like it's Dur Dur Durant's going to end up in like Phoenix or something, or he's going to stay put in Brooklyn. Like I, it's not. He's not coming here. Um. All right, uh, Duncan Robinson. I am not touching that contract, and I'm not helping out our biggest rival. Fuck Miami. That's my viewpoint. Any Duncan Robinson interest? No. Fair enough. Uh, Bradley Beal. He can't stay healthy. He does have a no-trade clause. I doubt he want to be dealt here when teams like the Sixers want to team him up with Embiid. He turns 30 in the summer. Not as highly valued as, say, Donovan Mitchell, but the Wizards would also demand just too much in a trade with a division rival. And I view Beal kind of the way I view Gordon Hayward, where, like, Beal is good if he plays, good to great, but, like, he misses so much time that it can, like, cripple a franchise he's with. And I'm just going to pass on that. Like, like, we had the Bradley Beal talk, I think, two years ago, maybe even last year, but I just think it's it's too late now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I'm not wasting any assets there. I, 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 we talk again about shoot, you know, 
consolidating assets and making the big push to elevate the team. Uh, and there's not enough health consistency and there's not a ton of track record in an elevated role where he's moving the needle for us here, in my opinion. Also, he's kind of a defensive liability now. And look, I know, I know, you know, Malik from the close up magic, he's, you know, he's pushing like the Florida Gator narrative thing as well. Like, but I, 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 I'm just not into Beal at this point. Like that, that ship sailed like a year or two ago. Like I'm just not doing that. All right. Sixers. I have, so this is actually rumored from the ringer Philly, uh, special pod, uh, or the ringer Philly pod, um, where they're basically trying to do like a Terrence Ross, Matisse Thibel deal. I did not bring this one up. This is brought up from them. Now, I have mentioned this in the past, but I did not, you know, this is coming from the ringer Philly guys, but they have an interest basically bringing a Terrence, a Terrence Ross, you know, a Terrence Ross, um, even though they admitted that they had not been watching him lately, which good. I hope the, I, I hope Daryl Morey hasn't been watching him lately either too much, but, um, or the fact that he's been buried on the bench, but I like Tybal. Like he, um, I think there's like untapped, like offensive ability that, Doc and the Sixers just still have never like really brought out of him, but as like just even like a spot up like three and D type guy. Um, I would do Terrence Ross to Philly for Tybal and Furkan Korkmaz, who Korkmaz demanded it just had a submitted a trade demand, I think, today. Um, in this situation, the Sixers are taking on just a tad bit more money. Um, but Tybal is expiring, Korkmaz has another year at five million dollars. With Korkmaz, one, you bring in another Turkish guy, so you get like a Hito Turkoglu kind of bump from there. But um, with Korkmaz, I thought Philly's always like misused him. Like they've tried to play him more on the ball when he's just he, – he's a shooter. Like let the man shoot. Like um, I mean, defensively, you're not going to get much, but I mean, he's a bench guy. Like you're bringing him in there to spread the floor, and we need guys that can spread the floor. And I think Korkmaz would be a good shout to have even for another year. And with Tybal, I I really think he can be a, 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 a you know he's already an awesome defender, but I think offensively, like I don't think he'd be a negative. And I just like to see what he could bring in that situation. I don't know what's your Philly thoughts. I I don't think Maury would do this, but um, it's interesting that Philly fans, Sixer fans, would would actually think about something like this because they're not using Corkmaz at the moment, and Tybal is still sparingly getting played. Yeah, I mean, I if that's on the table, I think you do it just to take a flyer on both guys, uh, have them in the building, find some minutes for them down the stretch, the second half of the season, and then make a determination from there. But uh, if, if that's on the table, I think you definitely have to pull the trigger on that deal. Uh, and pretty much the the track record with trades with Philadelphia has been pretty good for us, too. Yeah, that's also true. I I would like to screw over Maury. That'd be awesome. But um, all right. So yeah, that Philly trade is one of the two I would definitely do. The other one I would do is with the Knicks, and I mean we just saw him tonight. But I would do uh, our, Isaiah Hardenstein and Cam Reddish for Mo Bamba and R.J. Hampton. Reddish becomes a free agent. Um, Hardenstein, he's got another year at eight million dollars. Like we almost we came pretty close to signing him last summer. He's making about what is it, two million less than Bamba. 
you do this if you want Hardenstein to be the backup center. And I think he's capable of starting in spots for games that Wendell misses. Now, Hardenstein didn't have the greatest game tonight. Like, more it's kind of got in his head a little bit after he already got in some foul trouble. Like, Hardenstein picked up, like, three quick fouls in this game. Uh, but I just look at what he did with the Clippers and how underutilized he still is with Tibbs and the Knicks. And I just think like he fits kind of like what you want out of a out of a big man. Like he's 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 a stronger, better version of Moritz in my mind. When 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 Hardenstein is not in foul trouble, um, and I can see the Knicks doing this. Like Bamba, you got a New York guy, and then RJ Hampton is kind of that utility player that I could see Tibbs throwing in, almost kind of in like a Quinn Grimes type of role, and. Um, I could see the Knicks doing that, you know, you know, between that Philly Ross trade and then this Knicks trade, like, I think these are the two that could and should be done, but I don't know. What's your viewpoint on this one, Penny? Yeah. Again, uh, I don't know if there's a role here or a place to even attempt to, to give Cam Radish a shot, but you're making the deal primarily for Hardenstein. And, uh, again, if it's on the table, I think it's something you have to seriously consider and probably pull the trigger on um, solidifying kind of the the backup big role. And again, to your point, somebody that can step in for the you know twenty games a year where you'll need uh, a fill in starter. Yeah, I'm not I'm not that interested in Reddish either. Like I'd waive him and like I'd convert Kevon Harris to a to a regular contract you know, in that situation. But um, I don't know. Would you do, if the, if the spot's open, would you convert Kevon to a regular contract or are you not there with him yet? I don't think it, uh, I don't know for this year, other than as a goodwill gesture, if it makes sense to convert either to a, a full time. It's a goodwill contract. gesture. It's a goodwill gesture. Yeah. Um, if you were going to make the gesture, it seems like you would make it for Admiral based on time and impact. Uh, but that is another uh, benefit of a potential two for one trade occurring where you have that optionality to uh, make someone a, a little richer for the rest of the year. And then, you know, obviously you would see them as part of the future of the team too. All right, I'm going to bring up another Nets uh, thing. So there are Seth Curry and Joe Harris murmurs. I'm I'm not interested. There's like a stubbornness with me that I don't want to pay for guys we had and then waived in the past, understanding that this was done under Hennigan, where it's like we had Seth Curry with like Lakeland, and then we brought him in for like preseason, and we didn't we didn't keep him. And with Joe Harris, we literally got him in a trade and waived him, <laughs> and it, and we didn't give him a second and. It's great that both of them have, have had great careers at this point, and but I just I don't want to pay for them. Um, plus, like Brooklyn, I don't think is going to willingly want to give them up. Like they need them to spread the floor. Uh, I I don't know. What's your viewpoint on either on, on them? Uh, it would have been nice if we had them in the past, but uh, but again, I I don't see that either one of them getting moved before the deadline. Do you? I I. Don't well, man. I don't know, man. Brooklyn just traded Walker Kessler to open up a spot. I so I don't know if, and they sent him off to the Kings. I think it was, but that I, 
they're setting up for another move. I don't know if that other move involves Curry or Harris. Maybe it does, but uh, at the moment, I don't see it happening. But I, Brooklyn's got something else up their sleeve. That's for sure. Um, all right, Golden State. So my one Gary Harris exception deal is this one. I have Gary to the Warriors for James Wiseman and Moses Moody. And you can throw in like, you can throw in two seconds in this. I'm giving Steve Kerr an elite three-point shooter who was a great defender. I think Gary Harris came in tonight third in three-point percentage in the entire league at like 47.6%. But I'm doing this, you know, I'm giving Steve Kerr a guy who now can contribute and I get back Moses Moody, who I love, and Wiseman, who he's disappointed so far, but he has time on his side. Now, Moody, Kerr kind of likes going to Moody here and there, but he's still not reliant. Like, I'm sure he'd rather have Gary Harris than Moses Moody at this point. Um, I I like Moody. This is the only situation where I would give Gary Harris up without a pick coming back, basically. Um, And, yeah, I... I don't know if the Warriors would pull the trigger on this, but I mean, Gary, that's how good Gary is, where I think this is actually like a feasible, like I wouldn't get laughed in my face offering this up to Golden State. Maybe they laugh at me. I don't know, but I think Gary's been that good. Plus, like when they signed Otto Porter Jr. for that cheap contract, they ended up winning the finals. It's like, here, I'm giving you like another magic player that we've rehabilitated. Like, take this as a good omen. But um yeah, that's that's my viewpoint on it. Like I I love Moses Moody. Like I would I, I would do this trade um for just for that for him. Like Wiseman, you're playing him as a backup center and hopefully he's got, he he's got it figured out better on the court instinctual, you know, instinct wise and and just motor improvement wise and say a Bamba in comparison, but um I don't know what do you think, Penny? There's there's no way in hell. <laughs> No, that's the return that they would accept for admitting uh, that they basically bungled the second overall pick. So, what if I do the Denver first, the 2025 Denver first in there? Do you value Moody that much? Because I don't think you value Wiseman. I don't. uh, Well, I'm taking I'm taking a a flyer on Wiseman. Like, has Wiseman shown anything yet with with Golden State? Like. He's showing like spurts kind of here and there, but like they they don't want to rely on that guy. Like they're trying to win a title now. Now, Steph Curry getting this injury, maybe that kind of pumps the brakes on them kind of, uh, but they can't pump the brakes. Like the, they got maybe one, maybe two more years of these guys left. Like if they're going to go, they got to go now. I agreed on that. Yeah. I, I think Gary Harris is a, would be a perfect fit to slide into the rotation and give them a, reliable veteran that fits what they do for sure uh so you think i'm undervaluing wiseman that much or you think Golden State's just that stubborn about not about giving him up for that type of return yeah there's stubbornness there because that's a that's an egg on your face trade to to agree to all right if this trade happens, I deserve a shit ton of credit. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, an exponential amount, yeah. All right. We got to talk Mavericks here. So they just did the Kyrie trade. I am going to offer – well, here's the thing with Dallas. Like, uh, theoretically, like Terrence Ross, Mo Bamba, RJ Hampton, each of those guys they could all use. Terrence Ross could be like 
the second coming of Jason Terry for them. If he, if, if it works out for them, you got Bomba, who's a Texas Longhorn who they've coveted in, you know, since the draft, since his draft, like they've, they've had interest in Mo Bamba since then. Hampton is a Texas kid who brings just awesome versatility. And again, RJ Hampton's freaking good. I, I don't care what the magic think, what, what the evaluators think like RJ Hampton's good. And he'd be, a steal for them for them to add on that roster. So, but the problem is like Dallas ha- doesn't have a 2023 first round pick. If they did, I do like Dwight Powell's expiring contract and I would take on Davis Bertan's co- contract, but Oof. they don't have the 2023 first round pick. So, like could I see us doing it for a 2025 unprotected first if you think it all implodes and like you actually have a shot at stealing Luka Doncic from them? Maybe, but um, I I can't think of a Dallas trade scenario. I don't know. Have, I don't know if you, what what trade scenario. I have a you different got? one. All yeah, right. I have you a have different Dallas, Dallas one. All right, give me a Dallas one. So same same two guys going out, Bamba and Hampton. Uh, but we're gonna receive Reggie Bullock. This is assuming Terrence Ross goes out the door. We're we're gonna receive Reggie Bullock. And we'll take on JaVale McGee. Uh, they're going to include at least a second round pick. See, I think, man, I think they value Reggie Bullock too much. Like, I don't think they do that. Like, they like Bomba. They need a backup center. Like, badly, they need a backup center. But I I, I don't think Reggie Bullock's the guy that goes out the door. Like, I, that's the guy I'd like the Magic to take back, it, it, ideally. Um and I mean, even Dwight Powell, I guess, in a in a backup center role would be would be pretty good. But I, I, I don't think they do it. Um, but Reggie Bullock, yeah, Reggie Bullock just means too much to them, especially now that Dorian Finney Smith went out the door in the Kyrie trade. Like they they need Bullock for his defense. Like I, I don't know. Any any other Dallas thoughts? Any other Dallas stuff up your sleeve? That's all I had. All right, I got. Two more things to discuss, and then feel free to come with me with come at me with your own trade to, uh, trade machine, trade rumor, to, uh, trade viewpoint type stuff. So, Portland, Terrence Ross just seems destined to be a Blazer. Um, then you. I want to bomb- see if you're going to go the same direction as me. I have a I have a Portland one too. But then Mo Bamba in the past day or two has been rumored to be a Portland target. Um. The problem is the Blazers don't really have much to offer. I would do Mo Bamba to Portland for Nasir Little and Justice Winslow. We wave Winslow, and then we just take a look at Little the rest of the season because both those guys are are free agents. Um, funny enough, Ross for Nasir Little and Justice Winslow doesn't work. It's it's too much. It's too much of a money gap. So Bamba for Nasir and uh, and Winslow is is my offer. Well, what do you got? uh mine's an interesting one i'm not sure if i like it uh <laughs> okay Terrence ross straight up for josh hart man hart's having he's started every game that he's been available but he's having a terrible year shooting the basketball is he i i didn't realize his percentages were that bad okay i i just think Josh Hart's a guy that if you can get into a play-in or a playoff, like he'll he'll turn it on. Like at, at worst, he'll he'll freaking get you like ten rebounds and and so at least. You're, yeah, you're getting Portland off the Josh Hart salary for next year. 
you give them a little bit extra wiggle room. Oh, he's got he's play. got one more year on his contract. His heart. He's got he's got one more year. Okay. You give them a little bit of extra wiggle room as they finagle around the tax line here as they waste mm-hmm. another year of Dame Lillard's prime. Um, you can if you're Portland, you can just insert Terrence Ross into the starting lineup if you want to. Uh, or you keep him off the bench and he's going to give you the same thing that Hart gave you essentially this year. Uh, and then for the Magic, you're getting uh, another solid kind of swing guy that can, when he's right, knock down shots, um, could play more with injuries, could play less without injuries um, on a decent contract for next season. Yeah, yeah. Um... I like Josh Hart, although he's kind of screwed some people out of some crypto stuff, right? So, um, oh man, I, I don't think Portland would do it. Like, I know, I, I know that they could use Ross's shooting because they've they hit shooting slumps a lot, but I, I think they value Hart more. I, I don't think Portland would do it, but um, it's interesting. I. I wouldn't be mad at it. I mean, I look, I with Ross, we might end up just waving him and getting nothing. Like we're waiting too long with Ross like we waited with Fournier. Like we and, and we were lucky to get Bull out of the Fournier thing basically, but um with Ross like uh, it seems like everyone's expecting the Magic to not be able to trade him for anything and for Ross to be waived. I I just I so to get a guy like Josh Hart back, I'd be I'd be fine. I'd be more than happy with that um in the long term i guess but i i don't think portland's gonna do it um was that your only portland deal that's the only one i had yep all right and i'm out of trade ideas i just want to throw out on the table with the clippers um do you want luke Kennard? i don't yeah. like you do yeah. okay i because yeah. i don't think he can I don't think he can hit clutch shots and like I think he's a liability defensively and then health wise there's like issues like it's it's a pass for me but I'm seeing magic fans mention him and like I think Philip Rossman Reich like threw out uh I forgot what the trade it was that he threw out but um getting Luke Kennard for back. me it's a straight up swap again with Terrence Ross you're getting the Clippers off that money for the next couple of years Oh, he's got um, multiple years on his deal. Oh God, two more, but it's not going to inhibit you from bringing someone in, and it's a tradable salary if you want to move him as part of a different deal in the future. So, uh, I don't think he needs to necessarily hit clutch shots, but if he can shoot forty plus percent from deep for uh, fifty games in the regular season to get you through, uh, I think it's worth it's it's a valuable add to the bench. I I don't think Kennard's the guy, but I now because I said it, it's probably going to happen, right? So now, um, all right. Do you have any other trade stuff? Any trade ideas? That's that's it for me. I'm I'm out uh, on trade on trade stuff. So um, I have nothing else. The only point I wanted to make was about Gary Harris. I think both of us have kind of come around to him being an important piece of the team for what we're building. Um, you talk about first round value, but there's no extra inherent value for the magic to really accumulate another 2023 first round pick. We already have two on the books. The roster is already the third youngest in the league. Uh, and unless you're trading him for a future first down the line, but I don't even know if that value comes close to 
the role that he's fulfilling now um, and can easily continue to fulfill into the future. So uh, I, I, I think his value has become very apparent as he's gotten healthy and right again. So I've for probably a calendar year now, I viewed Gary as a long-term magic piece. So I, I'm not giving that guy up for, for anything less than a 2023 first round pick. And the reason I mentioned that is because I'm trying to take these, these first round picks. So if the magic have three first round picks in this upcoming draft, I'm trying to trade up to go get a scoot if possible. And that's all going to depend on the ping pong balls of, you know, assuming the magic don't make the playoffs and they're in the lottery again. Like I'm hoping that the magic can find a way to somehow be, I mean, right now they, there's, they still have the fifth best odds. That's, that's the crazy thing. Like they're, there's three games out of the play in, but they have the fifth best ping pong ball odds at the moment. So I'm hoping the magic can somehow like if, if, you know, say they don't move up to, you know, before the b- before the lottery and anything like let's say like the magic even even if the magic end up with like the eighth best odds or something like i'm hoping the magic find a way to move up obviously you want them to move up first or second but if you can't do that like third or fourth is feasible to move up and if you do that and you have two first round picks in the same draft as well from the bulls and whoever you would get it assuming you know that that happens for gary harris you can move up one or two spots like you can do that so that's my viewpoint on that um but i value gary like gary's our only you know real veteran in my eyes like as far as just influence for that team and i'm not giving that dude up for for less than a a first round pick in this year's draft and that's my that's my viewpoint on that um gary may want to move on to a playoff team or an actual title contender you know, that, that could change things up a little bit, but, um, you know, it seems like Gary's pretty happy here and, you know, he's signed for at least another year and, um, we'll see from there, but, um, anything else before we get out of here, Penny? No, I'm excited to get through the deadline and see what happens though. Do you think the magic at least make one trade? I do. You over under 1.5. I'm going over. I think it's going to be two. Um, like I said, I could, you know, if if I'm going based off the two, you know, off the trade machine stuff that I've done, like that Philly trade where we send up Ross and we get like Kirk, uh, Corkmaz and uh, and Tybal, and then the uh, what is it? The next pick, the next trade where it's uh, Hardenstein and Reddish, and we send up. Uh, Bomba and Hampton like that's that would be my guess I, I think it's going to be two trades though what do you think uh I I think one I think you're going to get Ross or Bomba out the door probably with Hampton as a filler all right fair enough please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating it helps our podcast ranking a lot tweet us any of your questions and feedback Penny what's your Twitter handle at Spencer Strode And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, take care. Let's go magic.